When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome back to Cloud & Blue Podcast. We've got a Big Ron bumper special. We, we tantalised you a little bit the other day with um, talking about the, the memories of the 1994 success. And now we're, we're with Ron where we can go through. We're going to take it, rather than doing it chronologically, we're going to go randomly talking about different topics. And I'm sure Ron's got some well, well-told stories from, from his time then. So thanks again, Ron. Um, as I've just said there, we are, might jump out a little bit, but I just want to try and get your sense of some of the things that me as a Villa fan that resonate you know back then in the mid 90s i was under the misapprehension mis- that aston villa won trophies every couple of years but uh yeah. the fact that we haven't won, won one since since 1996 94 and 96 i think it just lodges the big ron era like, properly into our into our memory banks really because it was such a such a treat to to witness from from the stands so i suppose the first question that i'd like to kick off with and i won't do this chronologically throughout your time at villa but i do want to talk back to your first game at sheffield wednesday obviously it was a bit of a tug of war you arrived at villa park under a cloud in terms of sheffield you know having to prize you away from sheffield wednesday the fixture fixture computer lo and behold then throws up Sheffield Wednesday away on the first day. You were public enemy number one, weren't you, that day, Ron? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, The best thing that happened to us that day in a funny way, you know, was they scored two in the first ten minutes. (laughs) And I think that all of us in the fans thought, hang on, what what are we worried about that for? We're going to romp this. And we had, I think we had eight players that day making debuts. And you'd have thought, our first half performance, you would have thought that I'd picked six of them up on the main road and said, do you fancy a game today? We were hopeless, disjointed all over the place, and they were winning 2 nothing. But right on halftime, we had a corner, and I'd just taken that. Andy Gray had come in with me as number two. And Andy had been doing a lot of Scottish football when Sky was in its infancy. And he'd sort of said, Chris Woods, who was making his debut, He'd had a bad injury 
and he said he's no longer safe on crosses. And I remember our first corner must have come in the 44th minute. And we put the ball in and we said, if, the, if we put one in the middle of the box, Big Cyril, you go and sort him. Just go in and make, make you some, some form of physical presence. Well, he went in and there was a clatter and the ball got, the ball got knocked out again for a corner. Same corner came in. All of a sudden there was only Cyril. The goalie, the goalie wasn't there. And he scored bang on the stroke of half time. And I always remember my halftime team talk. I said, they won't know now whether a stick or bust because they've been all they've been all over you and all of a sudden we're back in the game. So I think if, if you fancy it now, you've got a chance. But make sure, so long as they don't score again, we can still win it. And we won it with three of the most, well, not unlikeliest goal scorers. Dalian got equalised for us. From an, and Dalian had been an ex Sheffield Wednesday player. And uh, then right then, they had a corner towards the end. Ball got knocked out. And who do you think was clean through for us? One on one on their goalie. <laughs> Steve Staunton, our left back. How that happened, I don't know. And he rifled one past the keeper. And uh, we, we had a jolly time going home on the. <laughs> do you mind all that though, right, Ron? Because probably I can imagine you'd be quite tight the dugout. You'd be. People hurling abuse at you. The coach trip into the into the ground. Is, you know is it a what? bit of pantomime or? It, yeah, we had a laugh. It it wasn't that bad, you know. It, it was just a small group because <laughs> I, I was quite popular with the fans there. And I, to be fair, I still am. So I think there was just a small group who I think had uh, it was it was expected. They had to give it all that Judas thing. And I remember Andy Gray as we were going up the ship to main. <laughs> Hillsborough Road, just short of the stadium. Remember Andy Gray saying, I think I'll move. <laughs> he was sat next to me. <laughs> said, I think I'll move, just in case somebody's got a gun and it's a repeater. <laughs> Behave yourself. And I made sure, I think I was first off the coach. That was a conscious thing yeah, to say, listen, I'm yeah. going to own this. This yeah, is, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I always remember one of their guys, because we'd, we'd had a similar experience when I went back with Sheffield Wednesday to um, to West Brom, when we'd been one down with about a minute left, and we scored two in the last minute, and I always remember this Sheffield Wednesday official coming up to me after the end of our Villa game, going, "Who writes your scripts?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do. <don't. laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, probably ask you a couple of things about it, but working under Doug Ellis. Um, I'm sure you've probably trotted out lots of different lots of different stories about Doug on the after dinner circuit and and dif- different kind of interviews that you've given. Is there one story or one anecdote more than any other that sticks in your mind when somebody mentions Doug to you? Couple of quickies. <laughs> the first press conference I ever did at Villa Park, it was rammed. Somebody said it's the biggest press conference they've ever had there, and it was rammed. So and I knew most of the lads that had been had all been journos when. When I was there in the past, like, so they, somebody asked me a question. I went, well, you know, and I hadn't gone 10 seconds <laughs> and Doug interjected. And I went straight away. I went, I told you before when I took the job, I don't want in any interference and you've started already. <laughs> and it was a big laugh in there, like, you know, anyway. The other one, we went 
pre-season, there'd been a tour, pre-season tour lined up in Germany. And I'm, I'm doing a player a day, like signing a player a day. So I'm commuting between Birmingham Airport and Hanover, I think it was. Hanover, that's where we were. And I get there and Doug's out there in a villa tracksuit. Now all the time in, I've never ever like at Manu, Martin Edwards never came near the training ground. I never see a chairman on, and he stood on the touchline in a tracksuit. So I've gone. <laughs> Sid Cowan, Sid, practicing set plays, and Doug's over there with the coach driver. Doug, whoosh, do us a favour, mate. Come in the war. He loved it. Yeah, <laughs> try now. He's in the war. Him and the coach driver wanted to. <laughs> Sid said, "What do you want me to pull?" I said, "I want you to pull your foot back and just miss his left ear." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "And we won't see him on a training ground again." <laughs> and that was that. He was. Doug was Doug was good at appointing the ground. He, Villa Park is in many ways a great ground. It's yeah. that's a tribute to him. Yeah. What he wanted to do, he wanted he he, th- he would he wouldn't leave. In fact, one of the things when he got rid of me, he accused me of spending too much time at the training ground. <laughs> And I thought, well, I don't want to keep coming to your office every afternoon and listening to your yacht and listening <laughs> to stories about your yacht. But if he'd have stayed that side, a lot of people thought, and I never ever called him in public, you know. I'd tell him to his face. Yeah. But I never, but a lot of people assumed and, uh, yeah. But I can, I can always remember we got beat at Liverpool in the FA Cup sixth round, which I thought we were going to win that year. And after the game, he was wondering about the car park at Anfield. Nobody with him. And I thought he was, I actually thought for a fellow in his position, he was quite a lonely man, you know. Didn't have a, he didn't have an awful lot of friends and his social life was not what he'd have liked it yeah. to have been, you know. That's, uh, what I will say, if, if we had, if I put a proposition to him regarding players, and we had the money, he'd back it. Yeah. You mentioned Villa Park being a magnificent stadium and Doug putting in some of the groundwork yeah. initially to make sure that was the case. Talk us through, and I'm biased because I kind of grew up on the Holt end, if you like. Yeah. Talk us through that place when it's when it's bouncing, you know, in terms of atmosphere and in terms of, I suppose, the beautiful architecture as well. There's, there's, there's been a debate at the moment amongst fans. Will Villa ever need to leave Villa Park to, to truly kick on and join the elite? What, what's, how do you sum up Villa Park and your experience I of it? I think it's a phenomenal stadium. It's, what's the phrase? Uh, it should be... Um, like listed or something. Listed yeah. monument. Yeah. Should be, because... Because although it's an old stadium, it doesn't look old. Yeah. It's well maintained. You know, now Goodison Park, for example, which you, you maybe can, can compare it to in terms of history and whatever. Goodison Park is, it's going. Yeah. You know, I don't know, they got to get a new stadium, but it's going. Villa Park's not like that yeah. at all. Villa Park, whenever I've been in any, any section, I've also, how well maintained, how well kept it yeah. was, how, you know, and it, it, it's unique, I think. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. Um, and the Holt End, if, I don't know if you remember, that it, that was one of the little things we dug. I don't know if you remember when when I was going to sign Dean Sanders. 
Um, what happened? I agreed, not this house, house up the road we used to have. I had Dino there all afternoon. Done deal. Agreed everything with Graham Sooners at uh, Liverpool. And the same deal was, and it, it dragged on and dragged on. And it wasn't, it was Doug, Doug was trying to chip them all the while. Yeah. And Peter Robinson, their chief executive, was a, you know, top jolly in terms of he dealt with all the big hitters in the yeah. game. He wasn't going to give way. <laughs> and it got to, it went, it dragged on. Now, I'm a great believer when things drag on, they tend not to happen. Dino's ringing me every day. Soonest is ringing me every day. Because Soonest was thinking then of changing his mind yeah. and getting rid of Rushy. Yeah. He had to get rid. It was the time when you're only allowed so many non-English yeah. or British-born players. And he had the, the quandary with Rush and Dino. On the Friday, I think it was Tom Ross on um, BRMB. Tom Ross had a right guard, Doug. We were playing... <laughs> Crystal Palace, that was right, playing Crystal Palace on the Saturday. And Tom Russ had a right go at him. Um, come on, get this done, the fans, the phone in and all that, and they're having a go. So Doug rang me, he said, what is the deal with Sanders? This is Saturday, We got. I'm driving down. I said, it's exactly the same <laughs> as it was two weeks ago. But if we don't do it, it's not going to be done, I can tell you now. He's playing him this afternoon. They were playing Chelsea, I think, Liverpool. He's playing him. And he only needs to score a hat-trick or something and the deal will be off. Right, he said, we'll do the deal. So then Doug rang Robinson and said, yeah, we'll do the deal after the games today. And I'm driving down. I rang, I rang Steve Strider. I said, you know what, if we're getting beat... Or if we, or if we're not winning, the fans will start having a, they'll start having a go at Doug. Yeah. And I don't think I think players only need the slightest deflection. So when that's when I don't know if you remember, I said to Steve, "Get me a mic. I'll go and tell the fans what's happening." <laughs> and I went to the whole ten that day and said, "Look, do us a favour. Get behind us today because I'm telling you the deal's done and he's coming." And. <laughs> We won three nothing. They beat Palace three nothing, and we didn't play very well, yeah. and we started off quite badly. And I, I think if the the issue had been going on, the fans might have they wouldn't have turned on the team. Yeah, but they just started having a go at, and that's a deflection. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think you give players the chance yeah. to have any deflections. What did Steve say when you asked him for the mic? Did Did Doug know you were going to come on the pitch and do that? Steve must have told him, yeah, yeah. And he went down, the fans loved it, and they, they you know, and and they saw us through it because we didn't play that well, but we won 3 nothing. Yeah. Yeah. We thought you were going to come on and sing when we, when we, <laughs> when we saw you saw you walking towards the altar. <laughs> Is that a little bit of, I mean, obviously that was the way that you can see the idea to doing that was tactically in the sense that, you know. Get the fans yeah, on side. Yeah, to board, get the fans yeah. on side. But was there a bit of showman in there as well or not? Oh. No, well, not really. I, I just, I just felt, I, felt, you know, you, you see sometimes when, I think we did something similar once at Sheffield. Not, not quite the same lines as that, but if you get, the, if you involve the fans, yeah, and get them back in you, then it's in half a big. It's better than all. Like with the first, from memory of that game, the first twenty minutes or so, we didn't start off that well. And you, you'll hear groans and moans, and it okay. transmits. 
Now, we never got that. We just got the fans behind us yeah. all match. Now, I think that was the big thing about it. Um, it was basically, basically the system. In the midweek, we'd been beaten by Tottenham in a game that if Dean Sanders had been there, we would have won. Okay. And um, I thought the last thing we want is to drop any more points today. Yeah. Did you yeah. feel like that throughout your reign at Villa, though, you you gen- generally had that kind of warmth and support of I, Villa I always Park. felt that. I still do with the fans. If, yeah. I, if I see Villa fans now, I get on great with them. Yeah, yeah. I don't I probably know. I know, I know this sounds <laughs> daft. I probably know more about the Villa than anybody else. Because yeah. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm going back now 200 years. The first game (laughs) I ever saw was Aston Villa against Birmingham. Yeah. First game, 1948. And... uh, you know, and then I was with them as a young player, and then uh, subsequently I've, I've, I've known it about Villa all through my life, really. What years was your little stint there as a as a youngster? What? I was there from. I went there. I was I was a Wolves as a kid, as on the ground stuff, and then I actually got tapped up to go to Villa. <laughs> <laughs> I was at the Villa from fifty seven. I'm going to say to. 1960 or 59, 60, yeah. So you got a bit of it in your DNA then, really? Yeah, but it was part-time. That was, that, that was slightly regret. I went part-time. My dad said, all right, you, you'll have to do, have a trade if you're going yeah. to do that. Yeah. A bit of a random one, but Dino's debut when we beat Liverpool 4-2. That was uh, his home debut. Yeah, home debut. Yeah. He scored away at Leeds, didn't he, yeah. I think, as well. Um, his home debut. I don't know whether I've... I mean, it's a random thing to ask. I don't. I can't remember you ever commenting on the Ronnie Rosenthal miss before. Can you? Can you still picture it in your mind's eye? Oh, <laughs> Anybody in training that missed the goal? Oh, are you Ronnie Rosenthal? <laughs> <laughs> but in all fairness to Ronnie, in all fairness to him, you know, if you ever look at that on today's pitches, which are carpets, yeah. it is just side foot. He didn't like Foden did the other night when he he just yeah. wrapped it in. But that just stood up just as he went to side footed. And he probably hit that with his with his ankle bone, I should think, when it went over. I can't no, imagine. he hit the bar, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he bounced off the bar, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine you being that sympathetic if Dino or Dalian had done it down the other end. Well, I wouldn't, but um, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> but it, it did make history, didn't it, Ronnie? Ronnie. Ronnie it, yeah. In terms of your your time at Villa, one of my memories is that on match of the day, Villa would always have one or two goals in goal of the month. And the, I don't yeah. know if you remember the, the tune by the Lightning Seeds, The Life of Ryder. They used to play that over the back of it. And whenever I hear that song now, it always reminds me of the goal of the month competition yeah. on match of the day in the early 90s. What's your favourite goal that your Villa team scored during that period? i tell you what, one might be. I, I know the... But one might be the last goal that at Tranmere. 
the away the goal that made it three one. Yeah, Dalian's last minute. What yeah. we what we thought was a consolation, but actually proved to be a. In our dressing room, we could overhear their dressing room. They were sick. They were. You'd have thought they'd lost the game. Yeah. If you'd have said to the Johnny King before the game, "You're going to beat Villa three one," he'd have been on springs. But because they were three nothing. Two of which I'm convinced with VAR were offside anyway. <laughs> You've got to let it go wrong. I know, I know. Don't it doesn't bite anybody. But when Dalian scored, our dressing room was bubbly. And we've just been beaten 3-1 and we were bubbly. You know, because we we're looking at it logically and think, if we beat them 2 nothing now, we're through. Yeah. And we'll beat them. Well. <laughs> and then Dalian did it again, the same, same scenario. But the, the, the semi-final, we talk about games of one of the great games in my career. Talk about the best games in my career. One was at West Brom when we beat Man U 5 at Old Trafford. Another was at Old Trafford when we beat Barcelona with Maradona, 3 nothing to come from a 2 nothing deficit. But I've never been involved in a game like uh, the second leg of the Tranmere match. <laughs> A game, you talk about every emotion going through the game. I mean, after about, I'm going to say half an hour, we've we've two nothing up, and you think there's only one winner here. <laughs> then Buzzy might have got sent off, or probably should have yeah. done. They get a penalty. They go. He comes to two one, and then we're scrapping, scrapping. And I always remember Liam O'Brien, one of their players, who I'd actually signed at Man U hitting a shot that hit our post and ran all along the goal line and more or less touched the other post behind Buzzy. Making me nervous you're just talking about oh, it now. And you go, and then the penalties, and my standout moment in the penalties was, and we laughed about it now, but whenever I see him, was Kingy. Kingy was walking down, and he's whistling. I think Dino was, because he'd taken that's, that you, that's the Inter Milan game, wasn't it? The King one, are you? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. We'll, come, sorry we'll, we'll, come, right. we'll come to that sorry, in a minute, you're, Dave. You're right. Because <laughs> just King, you're coming down the fence. Yeah, don't worry, we'll ask you about that one in a minute. <laughs> in terms of, um, so, we, so in terms of, so that goal that um, that Dalian scored at Prentice yeah. Park, in terms of importance, what about in terms of easy on the eye, in terms of the most beautiful goal that you that your Villa well, team scored? I'll tell you where he's a bit unlucky. Do you remember the the goal? If you're looking at goals, you've got to take the Wimbledon. Yeah. But if that it the great pity about that was, you know, it wasn't in it wasn't in a an Anfield or yeah. somewhere with the big surroundings. Yeah. Because they they'll still be showing it every day now. Yeah. And Dino tells it well. Dino broke out. It was a corner the other end. We yeah. broke out from a corner from against us. And as he's running the ball, Dino's running alongside him, shouting, <laughs> "Give it, give it, Dino, Dalian, 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 Dalian!" And the only other person I've ever heard say that, you know, I heard it. I was, I was in a thing with Dennis Law once, and and he was on about a goal, Bestie says. <laughs> and Bestie went past about six players, and he said, "I'm running alongside him, screaming." For I reckon Dino probably claims credit for the decoy run then, does he, that, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that opened it up? Oh, Dino, I don't know how Dino caught him up. <laughs> Dino must have done well, yeah, yeah. But in terms of a goal, that, and then the funny thing was when, when they run and got the umbrella afterwards. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's an iconic celebration, that yeah, is, isn't it? Yeah, the, the fellow yeah. who, who rocks on with, with the umbrella. That is the only thing about I wish that had been in one of the great stadiums, you know. Yeah. Just on Dalian... 
he was capable of that, wasn't he? You know, he, for for a big, strong footballer who had all the attributes physically, actually got quite a lot of kind of panache about him as well, oh, hadn't he? he if we were playing Liverpool, man, you, anybody, never bothered. You never bothered about it. And yet if we played, we went to Exeter in the Cup and things like that, he thought, has he come down today or something <laughs> like that? And because I, I had him at um, Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday, and we sold him to Real Sociedad for what was then quite big money. I think, I think he got two against Real Madrid in a game and he got, he, he got a hat-trick or something against Barca. I don't think he scored against anybody else. <laughs> he goes to Fenerbahce. Fenerbahce. Yeah, Dino went to Galatasaray, didn't he? He goes to Fenerbahce and they're playing Galatasaray and apparently the president there or the president's son says, Dalian, you get hat-trick. You get two today. You can pick any car you like. <laughs> He's got hat-trick after 15 minutes. Like, you know. Don't think he scored again all season. <laughs> you know, Unbelievable. And, uh, who do you think, Ron, during your time as Villa boss, who do you think was probably the most unsung hero or, or unappreciated? I mean, I'll, I'll give you who I think, and whether you agree or not. I think Kevin Richardson was such an important player for you. Rick, but he, all, he was almost so efficient. You know, when you you, you don't fully, or, or, or the, 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 a football fan wouldn't fully appreciate the, the contribution that he makes. I was asking Steve Staunton the other day, well, a few weeks ago, about the best team he'd played in. And he's played, don't forget, he was at Liverpool with some top jollies yeah. and all that. And he picked Kevin in central midfield. Yeah. You know, I said, well, that's great. Kevin was one of those you take for granted. I had one at Manchester United, Arthur Alberston, the left back. And he just picked him. He's your left back for the season. Yeah. And you get seven, eight out of ten every week. Yeah. You know, and you just, you're, you're in the team and I don't talk to you. You just do what you do, like, yeah. you know. What was he like as a, cause I mean, he's obviously won the, the cup, lifted the cup for, for you. I think he'd won the league, hadn't he, at, at Arsenal and at and Everton. Everton. Yeah. And cup winner. you made him your captain in a dressing room full of some big, yeah. big personalities yeah. where to me, I've never met Kevin Richardson, but I, I sense that he wasn't as loud as some oh, of that no. people in the dressing room. Oh, he's so. a moaner. We had two groups at the villa. <laughs> We had the uh, the Jolly Boys, and we had I used to call them the Moaners, the, the official Moaners. There was Kevin was Kevin was number one Moaner. The Grumpies, the Grumpies, yeah. <laughs> Steve Staunton would be in there. Uh, Tealy would half be in there. Oh, there was somebody else. Ray Houghton might have been Razor. Ray Houghton, but they're prop. You know they were. Why we? You know what? And the others were like Daly and Yorkie, Jolly Boys, Dino, Jolly Boys. Like did that, that make Richardson a good captain then? Because he, by moaning, did that mean he got super high standards or he just liked to whinge anyway? Well, or? Was that, but he, I think everybody just recognised that you never got anything less than than he got. He gave you everything he got. And that's all you ask of any player, really. Yeah. And I think that's what... Uh, I think he was very, he was more appreciated. I mean, there's that saying, and I suppose he epitomised it. He was a player's player. Yeah. 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 Um, don't ever ask him to take a penalty, though. <laughs> <laughs> I said I could have got Jeremy Guscott to do that when he hit the one over the bar. It was that Wimbledon, huh? 
in terms of the signings that you made or that, that Doug Doug allowed you to, to make at Villa, who do you think was your kind of best best pound for pound? I suppose Richardson would be, probably be up there, but who, who do you think was your, your best signing? Well, we got Sealy for 250 grand. Um, so that, you know, he, he was he was as good as any any left-sided defender. In, How did that come about, Ron? Did you have scouts down there on that coast? I'd or? seen it. I, funnily enough, I, I'd seen Bournemouth play at um, Birmingham of all places, and I'd gone to watch Jamie Redknapp. Yeah. That's who I'd gone to watch. This is where was I? The summer, probably at Sheffield. And I looked at Big Centre, oh, strong, yeah, yeah, impressive. They had a, when I went to the villa, Bournemouth had a major financial problem. And Harry rang me, he said, Ron, we need money quickly. He said, you've seen the centre-half. Give us, I think it was 250 I think we paid for him. I said, well, I, yeah, I do like him. He said, I said, go on, tell me a bit more about him then. And he, Harry went in and he said, all right. And what I've seen and what you're telling me, yeah, we'll, we'll take a punt on him for 250 and uh, so he would be good value for money. Because you had a Floyd, didn't you, in the first summer? I think David well, Platt left, didn't he? And you got well, a. I was going to keep Platty. He'd come to some sort of an agreement with the Italian team. Yeah. He was obviously wanted away. Um, so uh, I said to Andy Gray, I said, "Let's do it now. We'll do it all now, and then we don't have to be. We don't have it hanging over yeah. us." Little funny story, and he. he I went in training the week before the team came back. So I went back in because all the apprentices were there. And that was one of the things we used to like to do wherever I've been, is get the staff team to play the apprentices because <laughs> then you got to know the kids. I don't, it doesn't happen so much now that they're, they're, they're set apart. But So they all came in and we, we were training down at um, Aston University while Bodymore was being done up. So... I have the staff team, Jimmy Barron, Paul Barron, uh, Richard Money, Andy Gray, Peter Withard had come in, and Cascarino had come in for a week's, try to get fit the week before, like, you know, so we're playing this game and most of us could still deal with the ball, you know, and he kept going to Cass and he kept bouncing up. <laughs> and I went, so we get a penalty against the kids. And I'm thinking, which corner shall I put this in? <laughs> and all of a sudden, Cass runs up and k- kicks it. And the goalie, we had the third of trialist goalie in from London who dived forward to save. <laughs> <laughs> and as I walked off the pitch with Andy, we had quite a way back to the dressing room. I went, I went to, you know, we got to get rid of him before anybody sees him play. <laughs> and we offered him to, um, and Cass knows the story. We offered him to Wimbledon, or th- th- <coughs> who I thought would um, would suit. They they wouldn't give me anything like the amount of money we wanted. And that right out the blue, Liam Brady, manager himself, Liam Brady, one of the great <laughs> ball artists of all time. Liam rang me up and uh, offered me the money for him. And I couldn't believe it, honestly. Not, not, not Liam Brady, you know. Um, so we, we, and what we did with the money we got for the two of those boys, we more or less built, built the, the rest of the team up. We I bought, um, Steve Stone was my first buy, I think. Uh, Siddle was my first. Siddle that took on a free from Coventry. 
uh, Steve Staunton came, then Teeley. Who was next? Kevin Richardson came in with Dalian. Yeah. Um, and that was, in many ways, that was an Andy Gray thing because Andy had played with him at Everton. Yeah. And he was full of Rico. So we took them two from Sociedad. With hindsight, once again, I probably should have took John Aldridge as well. Yeah. But I thought Aldo would maybe just come past the post a bit, which he hadn't. He did on us for a year or two. Yeah. Um, and then we signed, like, Ray Houghton came in a bit later on. Yeah, but that was the first That was the first group. And I signed Paul Mortimer, who had seen play very well at Charlton and so forth. And he came and, uh, I don't know, he fell, he fell out with the crowd for about the fourth game. We beat Luton for, for nothing. And he scored and then he made some sort of gesture to the whole team who'd been giving him a bit of stick. I thought you've had it. You you, you 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 can't do that to the. And fortunately, that week, um, Steve Coppola at Crystal Palace came in and gave me more money than I paid for him. So you know, so that was why Paul left. I thought he, he's got to go after that. What year did um, Andy Townsend come? Andy came in the last, but Andy came the year with, with won the, the cup. cup. Yeah, um, Gary Parker. Was an early signing, Gary Parker. Yeah, he was from Hull. He'd just come to Hull from Forest. Um, he was he was one of the early ones, Gary. Uh, so talk us talk us through one player that you inherited, um, still known as God uh, at Villa Park. Um, okay. Yeah, talk talk. Us, uh, I'm I'm going to try. I'll see see whether you get to it yourself. But there's a story that you've told me before that I want you to tell me again. But just give us a flavour of, of what it was like to, to, to work with him. Well, do you know, I bought him to England. Were you, you, you the man who got him to United? Oh, I bought him to United, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I bought him. Um, I had a choice when I was at United, and now you'd have taken all three. <laughs> we wanted a young centre-half. We got McQueen and Moran. McQueen, we had got Kevin Moran, but McQueen and Buchan, who were both coming to the end of their careers. And I was looking for a young centre-half. I'd seen a kid, Mark Wright, play for Oxford, and I liked him. I'd seen Derek Manfield play at Tranmere, and he was in the frame. And then somebody rang me up about this kid playing for St. Pat's in Ireland. So I said, well, get him over. Let's have a look at him. And he came over. I thought, oh, yeah, he's... But you were never sure. You knew he got something, you know, but you never quite... Oh, it's not one you go, oh, yeah, no problem. You can see great attributes from him. And there's certain other things in his game. You go, I'm not sure. Anyway, I paid. I, in the end, we bought him for 30 grand. 30 grand to give some bats in Ireland. And what I do remember about two things. When I, I'd signed Brian Robson about two weeks earlier for what was then a record fee. When we signed Robbo, there was myself, our chairman, his accountant, and somebody else, four people in the office. I signed Macca for 30 grand from some pats. The place was full. <laughs> his mother, not his mother, his, some all sorts of relations, the manager's uncle's sons. <laughs> My office was crammed at Old Trafford. And Macca had this earring, he had this earring in. And they all went out. And I said, hey, by the way, get that out. <laughs> Because I've seen Neil Franklin, 
I've seen Billy Rice, I've seen John Charles, seen all the great centre-halves, and they didn't wear <laughs> earrings. So get that out. <laughs> so when you rock up at, at, at Villa, were you pleased to be reunited with him? Well, yeah. Now I know all the stories. So I'm hearing horrendous stories about when I go to the Villa. And even on pre-season, you know. Um, I mean, I think, first of all, and I just read it again recently on holiday. His autobiography is the most emotive I've ever yeah. read from a footballer. Brutal, isn't it? How, how honest it is. Yeah, yeah. And you start looking at that and thinking, well, those sort of things, you know, he, 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 he was always battling elements. And when I first we went on a training trip to, who was it? The same trip, Germany, and because I'm flying backwards and forwards like, and apparently he'd, he'd emptied, he'd emptied the uh, minibar or something and he'd gone missing. When I got there, Andy Gray rang me, he said, I've got to tell you, the big man's gone off. He said, I better go look for him. I thought, that. so him and Jim Walker, physio, went out and looked for him. And they found it. How they found him, I don't know. They found him in an area. And apparently Andy said, and as soon as he walked in, they said, hi, Paul apparently has gone, hiya, lads, how you doing? <laughs> and they, they were actually looking for him like him. And Andy said, I think I'd better stay with him. I went, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be right, Andy. But, uh, so there was all that to go through. And quite honestly, it was, again, I had it in my mind that uh, maybe, maybe it's a problem that, we ought to be getting rid of before anything happens. Yeah. And and in fact, the first game we played at um, Sheffield Wednesday, he actually played right back that day. I played him right back and told him just to sit there and lump it away and head it away. Derek Manfield played, Lee, that's right, Steve Stone left back. Um, and then the next game I moved him back in the middle. And fortunately for me, if anybody had come in and offered the sort of money that we'd had for Cascarino. I think I might have sold him. Yeah. And then after a couple of weeks, I thought, oh, you just had a right let off there. And I know all about things that went on. I've consequently found out an awful lot more since. Jim Walker, our physio, was brilliant. Yeah. He was brilliant with him. He, he nursed him, looked after him. And in fact, in his book, Maca pays tribute to yeah. about that. It's almost like a counsellor, wasn't he, as well oh, as a counsellor and a friend, as well as a physio. Everything. He looked after him unbelievably. And I used to send, when Macca was playing for Ireland, and they always played in the afternoon in Dublin, I used to send Jim out the night before. <laughs> Jim used to sleep in the corridor outside his room <laughs> so he couldn't escape. And I said, after the game, Jim, as soon as the game's finished, you man mark him. You follow him in so when he goes to get his Man of the Match award <laughs> and we used to have a car parked. There was a little pink pub around the corner, opposite way to everybody, where everybody was going. I said, and you get, you get him in that and back on the 6 o'clock flight to Birmingham. And if you don't, you're sacked. <laughs> <laughs> and Jim used to say, he'll be there, Gaffer. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Do you, um, I think you t- told me this story before, Ron, about an exercise bike. 
and oh, McGraw. Yeah, yeah. Go on, yeah. let's hear that one again. Yeah, well, the training—it's it, a well-known fact, but in he—he he was a phenomenon, really, because he was so strong and fit. You know, he really was, but but didn't do the training everybody else did, but could have done. But I think if he had it done, it'd have aggravated his his knees more, yeah. and we needed him for matches. So we used to let him do uh, training with the physio with Jim. And Jim said one day he's increasing the thing. He got him on the bike, pedalling away on the bike thing. And he said, Jim said, I'm going to alter the settings on it now, so it's going to become harder, and you're going uphill. So he sets it, Jim. Macca gets off the bike. And Jim said, what are you doing? He said, well, if I'm going uphill, I always will get off my bike and walk. <laughs> I <laughs> love he, that. Uh, but but he was a, he's a super lad. And I, the players had that much respect for him that they knew what was going on and were prepared to tolerate because they knew what he could yeah. get do for them. And and because he was, he was, such, he was such a good lad. I think it says it all that I think it was ninety three, wasn't it, when he won the the PFA yeah. player. The, you don't see that often go to centre halves, do you? No. So no. the fact that he he won that, and I suppose that must have been a source of pride for for you and the the team as well, well hadn't it? Yeah. And I tell you, I tell you something else about it. People think that Macko played. I think there's some stats where in the first four years of the Premiership. There's only one player played as many games throughout the league. That was Peter Atherton at uh, well, Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. Macca, he missed. I can only remember Paul McGrath. He missed the Liverpool game once. Exeter, he missed. I don't remember him in my time missing any yeah. other game but those two. Yeah. And <laughs> the, Exeter game, <laughs> the Exeter game, the FA Cup match, he missed. I called him in on the morning. And he was such a shy lad. <laughs> this was the thing about Macca. He was really shy. And I said, by the way, I give him a bit of a blast like you. I said, by the way, you're totally out of order. We were going, we played Exit, and the next round we played at, when I lost the money, um, Buckley was manager, Grimsby. Grimsby, that's right. That was the next round of the cup. And after the game, I'd arranged to take the players to was it me? Tenerife. That's it, Tenerife for a few days. I said, and by the way, Maka, I want ten grand off you. I can find you you give me ten grand or I'll find you what I should find you, which would be double that. But you give me ten grand in cash, I'll give it to the skipper to take you when the boys go to Tenerife and you're not coming. <laughs> sure. Oh, sure. Which he did, no no complaints. You mentioned Phil King um, a while ago, talking about the penalty. Um, I just remember the celebration with his arms aloft as if he was the, the king, not literally the king, the king of Villa Park. Talk, talk us through your kind of recollections of that night. Well, that was, uh, I mean, we, it, that was, that would be, I'm going to say, February, so that would be within about six months of the uh, Tranmere thing, wouldn't it? Yeah. So we we go out to we go out to uh, go out to Milan. Um, uh, <laughs> hey, shut up! 
<laughs> we got no. <laughs> we got we got to Milan. We got to we got to Milan and we get beat one nothing, and it was when Teely was out the side. I bought I bought Hugo into the side. <laughs> I don't think you're going to wake him. I'll wake you. I'm in a dream. Hey, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> so Hugo was in the side. We get we get beat out there one nothing. Come back to our place and uh, Razor. Funnily enough, Razor scored against the same goalkeeper. Um, oh, in the World Cup. Yes, yeah, same goal. He did a little forward roll celebration, didn't yeah, he, in the World Cup? Yeah. You know, we go into the penalties thing, and touch and go, hit and miss, and all of a sudden, King is going down the field and scores it. We we're through, aren't we? And he's going down whistling. <laughs> and I'm saying Dino's taking his penalty. He stood by me. I think Dino. I said, "Look at him. There's there's a few million quid on this, and he's going down whistling." <laughs> Paluka was the goal. Paluka slotted him. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Uh, and yeah. that like that celebration. He was just like basking in the glory of it, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. Hands aloft. He, he was a character, King. Yeah, yeah. In things like that, because obviously there's the two real penalty shootouts that stick out in the mind, the Tranmere one and the Inter Milan one. How much say did you as manager or your coaching staff have on the penalty takers, the order of that? Is that something that's pre-arranged? Is that something where you're waiting for hands up on the night? Or No, I think I think you, you, you put so many down, but it's like if somebody's like the yesterday, if that had gone to penalties, you know, players have gone off yeah. and you're going... You, you're ducking and diving, then who's taking them? I'll tell you one thing that talking about penalties, even the year we won the cup, all right, in, in the shootout, Bozzy saved a few. But prior to that, you know, like I think he saved one at Tottenham in one of the earlier rounds. Ars- did he? Not Arsenal, somebody else. He, sa- he saved, he, he had a, quite a good year that year yeah. stopping penalties. In fact, he came on, his debut was at Blues and the first kick he had against him was a penalty. <laughs> Frayne, he was John Frayne, yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah, that was his first, first, that was his introduction into Villa's first team. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he saved quite a few penalties that year, Buzzy. He was, which went against my theory. My theory on penalties, particularly in shootouts, the goalie shouldn't move. <laughs> the, the goalie's job is to stop the bad ones. Yeah, the ones that go down the middle because in any five, by and large, there's two go down the middle. Yeah, I say stop them, and then you might make one miracle dive in somewhere. Um, but he he, he, seen, he could he some of the 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 Bosnich at Aston Villa was unbelievable, yeah. and the best performance I ever saw him give, I think, we beat Sunderland four one away, in the run. And they've murdered us. They absolutely murdered us. And he was pulling off worldies from everywhere. And they kept, we broke, through. we were scoring worldies. I think we had four breakaways <laughs> and scored a lot of them. And he, he was pulling off saves like you couldn't believe. What was he like, Bozzy? Was he as flash as the public oh, perception he, of him? He was a bra- brash is a better word. <laughs> uh, um, in fact, we were talking last week with Jim Walker and myself. About where, uh, no, it was Stan, Steve Stone. We were in Japan for the 
we went and played in a pre-season, ironically enough, the Coca-Cola tournament in Japan. And we were doing a training session on a small-sided, on a small pitch with big goals, and Dean Sanders is whacking shots in from about eight yards, and Buzzy's going... <laughs> in the end, Dean, I always remember Dean, I turned and said, do you beat it? <laughs> yeah, he, he was, he was an, at the villa. He was an unbelievable goalkeeper. Um, you know, all right, the kicking thing and all that, but it's like I've just read an article from Joe Hart yesterday uh, where my theory has always been the goalie's first responsibility is stop the ball going in the net. Yeah. The rest of it is bonus. And, um, yeah, a buzzy, buzzy shot stopping was... His, his goalkeeping was 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 unbelievable. Shouldn't have gone to Man United. Should not have gone there. He'd gone out there and because he'd left there when he was a kid. Ferg, he's the only player Fergie didn't attend the signing of when he went back. Only senior player. Yeah, because he'd walked out on them. Yeah, you know. Um, Another one I want to ask you about, Ron, just briefly is um, Dwight York, who I think. Probably in my time watching the Villa, he's probably one of the greatest entertainers. You know, even before we got on the pitch, he'd run half the length of the pitch, juggling a ball on his head before in the yeah. warm up. I don't know. I just just and there's a lot of Villa fans who probably haven't forgiven him for leaving Villa. And I mean, he was in my mind, he was vindicated because he ended up winning the treble oh, right. in his first year. And I, I'm I'm of the school of thought better to have loved and lost than never yeah. to have loved at all. What was he he like? Because you've got somebody who was this real gifted flair player, but you've managed to get him to to play and to perform as part of a, a team setup. Yeah, well, I think when I went there, I think he, I think he'd had a couple of games in the first team. I don't think he played many. And that first game, actually, at Sheffield Wednesday, I actually played him instead of Tony Daly. I played him on the right wing um, because I'd got Daly and Siddle were going to be the front two for a while. Um, and I think that was good for him because I think it enabled him to get... That year, I think he scored about 15 goals for us. My first year. I think, I think that was the moment where he actually knew that he'd, he'd arrived as a Premier League yeah, player and yeah, he'd got yeah. that support of his manager. Yeah, because I, I still believe if Dalian hadn't got injured at, at the Christmas time, after he scored the two at Sheffield Wednesday, we went to Hillsborough just before Christmas, beat them 2-1. Dalian got two worldies and him and Dino were on fire as a pair. I, I still think we'd have won the league that year because Dalian didn't play again till Good Friday. Came back at the Forest, I think it was Good Friday. Um, so York, he was like, he was sort of, he'd play one week on the wing, then he'd sometimes play in midfield, then he'd play, and he got the run up front when Dalian got injured. But yeah, he was a very, very good player. Very good player. But, you know, two or three years down the line, he was top draw. Like, you know, what was he like to manage? Ron was he? He was. He was, a, he was a, the smile you saw. You you always saw the smile. Yeah, you know, he's an infectious lad. Um, I think he was a bit upset that he wasn't on the bench for the cup final. But we had to have. We only had one sub. Yet. No, we had two subs. Ray Houghton was one. 
and had to make cut because we knew Steve Staunton wasn't going to go yeah. the distance. We knew Stan at some given time was going to, so I needed a defender there. So yeah. I had Coxie, who came on at right back, and Earl switched to left back to run with um, Ken Chelsea. Yeah. Like, you, know. you mentioned the Dalian accident injury during that, that title race, if you like. When was the moment when you realised that it had kind of got away from us that year? Was it was it Oldham at home? Was it before you then? Know when or? it was. Go on. When Steve Bruce scored the two goals. Oh, in, and Brian Kidd's on the pitch and Fergie's on the pitch. <laughs> we're just, we're drawn that day with Coventry at Villa Park. No score. No score, yeah. And as I'm coming off the pitch, it was when he had to walk up the stairs at, to the dressing room, a fan shouted, they're getting beat run. So by the time somebody, by the time I got to the top of the stairs, said, they've just equalised. And I said, oh. <laughs> See, even he's, even they're, they're annoyed about it still, Ron. <laughs> I said, um, <laughs> I said, yeah, and I bet they play till they win. Carlton Palmer told me, Carlton played in the game. Carlton said, because the referee changed, the referee got injured and had to come off in that game. Carlton said, I went to the, the, the acting ref, said, how long's left? He said, two minutes of added time. He said, six minutes later, we're still winning. <laughs> and when it came off, because we won the next three games, we went to Arsenal on the Monday and beat them. We then played Nottingham Forest and beat them. Then we beat Man City at our place. So, we, you know, we... We, we went straight off on a run. But that was the moment I thought, oh, hang on. Because they went to Norwich and had a good win at Norwich, which I think if they'd have lost that Sheffield Wednesday game, because all the pressure was on them. Yeah. I think, I, I actually think, you don't know, but I think the bottom would have fell out of it. Yeah. And I, obviously the Oldham, with us getting beaten on by Oldham, but I actually think just before that, but that puts that set them off on a run, you know. They went as I say, they wouldn't have been in Norwich normally over there, but the confidence was was flying then. Um, can you still all these years on though? Can you you can take some degree of pride in running them close, can't you? I mean, I don't I don't think we've finished second as high as second since have they? I don't no. think. I've been in European tournaments competitions. I've never taken part in the. European Cup. Yeah. And yet eight times under the present situation. You'd I've have had a chance to, yeah. Eight times. So I've had, I think it's eight top four finishes. Yeah. But, you know, and then the, the UEFA Cup and they were big tournaments, the Cup Winners Cup and that. They yeah. were big tournaments there. I mean, that Conference League and all that. <laughs> I wish Villa, my, Villa in the Conference, aren't they? Yeah, they're that's the right. Conference. Yeah, yeah. In all fairness, I wish they weren't in it. I, yeah, if they weren't in it, I'd, I'd think there were certainties to... Yeah, I, th I still think they'll finish in the top four anyway, but um, but the manager, I think, will... Because that's it. The European managers are more... They're more... In, you know, that's a bigger thing for them yeah. than, say, like winning the Carabao Cup. Yeah, to, to do it has more impact around in Spain and Italy and things like yeah. that, like, you know. 
talk us through the evening. Um, was it the evening or was it the morning after when, when Doug summons you to say, right, Ron, that's your lot. Was it after the, was it the Wimbledon game? Wimbledon, yeah. We got beat 4-3. And we were winning 3-1, but Andy Townsend had just got sent off. Right on half time or something. And, uh, yeah, um, I'll be quite honest. I didn't, I did that's, I've never ever in my career ever had the so-called vote of confidence. <laughs> I've never had that. Um, and it just got called to a board meeting. I got called early and as soon as I walked in, he said, we've decided to part company and that was it. And I went, okay. Um, you'll be, I'll just get my man onto it to sort it with you. And I went out and they tell me it's the only time Doug, he left by the back door, didn't he? I can't remember. Because a lot of crowd, the crowds got started to get wind of it and turned up apparently. Um, we'd had a bad start to the season. We'd had a few injuries and he wanted me to buy. He said, I said, we can't buy anybody with the money that's available. Yeah. It's better than what we've got. I said, and we were playing all right. Although the results weren't as good, we were playing all right. And I'm a great believer. If you're playing, if you're playing all right, you'll 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 get it round. It'll come back. I said, save your money, and at the end of the season, buy big, buy two biggies, and then you, you'll pick the rest of the group up again. And that one of the biggies I got lined up was Les Ferdinand from QPR. It was more of a personality class than anything else, you know. Did you think that? You probably should have had more credit in the bank, though, in terms of you just won a trophy, you know, six months previously or eight months previously. Did it, did it come as a surprise or could you see the way the wind was no, blowing? No, okay. it came as a complete shock. I never even gave it a thought. Um, I mean, I say gave it a thought. No, because I, I had enough confidence a, in me and the team to know we'd get it right. I knew we'd get it right. Do you think it was a football decision, Ron? Or do you think it was a, a, a Doug being jealous that you were kind of, you know, as we know you to be carrying yourself with a bit of a swagger and stuff, you popular with the fans. Do you think it was a bit of both? or I always knew. I mean, I knew Doug did not, from the onset, although I've been offered the job two or three times previously, he didn't want he, he would have preferred me not to have been manager at the onset. Yeah. But when he took it, it was actually it was people like Stridey and that were going. I mean, Stridey tried to stop him doing it. Yeah. I've since found out Stridey said, look, hang on for a little bit longer. Just give it a little bit more time. It's, uh, you know. Um, uh. <laughs> the only final thing I was going to ask, although we've been given a bit of a bit of a window into it anyway with, uh, with Mac, Max and Mia, What's the day? What's the day in the life of, of Ron Atkinson now? Then I know you say you're eighty five next week. Yeah, still looking well. Still yeah. heard your phone pinging with all your mates and all your contacts. How do you? You know what? what what's, what's it like? Well, when when the weather? I mean, we got a, an okay day today with the weather we've been having. I have a few trips. I would go away a bit. And unfortunately, I haven't been out playing much golf, and so we have a few meetings with a few of the guys and. Keep in touch, yeah. Yeah. Um, and people say, do you miss it? And I go, loved it, had a great time. Um, but 
very little regrets. And standard line is, I left school at 15, never worked since. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I was just to say to the boys, this is better than work. All right, you can have, you can be anxious about things, or, or not anxious, but you can be a little bit worried about. But I hate it when they use the word pressure applied to people in football. Pressure is when you, you've got to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning and go work down a pit, or I know they don't do that anymore. <laughs> but that's pressure, or, or when, like, you can't, you can't afford your bills and whatever. Turning up at a football training ground, mainly in, the, you know, nice cars like they do, to and have the lifestyle, you know, it would annoy me. All right, I and I'm not, you know, a lot of people say, like the money now. Do you wish you? No, I don't. I, full marks to them, particularly the players that earn the big money. Don't have a problem with yeah. that. I do have a problem with players that earn big money and really don't put it back in. Yeah, you know that that would drive me up the wall. But um. We had a great time. People of my ilk, people in my generation, I met some great people. Yeah, I met some great people. Had, uh, uh, yeah, whenever we, you know, whenever we get together, mind there's a few of them I don't want to meet too soon now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You don't, you don't envy the likes of Neil Warnock, who's still trying to hang in, and Roy Hodgson, who has been until recently was still managing. I, no, no, I mean... You don't miss the adrenaline buzz that much. No. Um, there was possibly a time when I wouldn't have minded a, um, shall we say, a, a sort of executive Like role, a director right? of football Something type like thing. That, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I could have been helpful to somebody in that respect. Um, but um, once said to Neil Warnock, nobody, in this, nobody likes you except me and I can't stand it. <laughs> No, well, listen, Ron. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure get taking no you problem. taking us on a trip down memory lane. No I think problem. we're hoping that Villa that the good times are coming back. But you'll almost you'll always hear certainly fans of my generation always using the Ron Atkinson years as the barometer, really, in terms of entertainment, in yeah, terms of atmosphere. That's, that's we we had we had a good. I tell you what, though, and I I I said I've been watching Villa since nineteen forty eight. The day war broke out. Um, <laughs> I've never ever seen a Villa team, my team, the Ron Sanders team, or whatever, play better than Villa did when they beat Man City this yeah. year. I thought that was an unbelievable performance. I thought, yeah, I'll be watching that. This is terrific. I think they've got a very good squad at the moment. Um, hopefully, nothing happens to Ollie because I think they might have a problem there if. If, a send, if they have a centre-forward problem, I'm not too sure who could stand in for them there. But um, So you're in a, kind of an adopted Villa fan from afar now? Oh, well, I was I was a Villa fan as a kid anyway. So, yeah, it was always my club. Um, yeah. People say, what's the big improvements? I mean, I look at pitches now. And... That's the biggest improvement to me—the standard yeah. of pitches. Yeah, I remember when I was at Villa. We, who did we play? It was a, it got really muddy, like pitches did in the middle. So Doug had this good idea 
of painting the pitch green, <laughs> putting green paint on it. And the players were coming off at half-time looking like Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> who was that? That might have been the Arsenal. I'm trying to think who he was. Oh, yeah. That's so good, isn't it? It's, like I say, it's been an absolute pleasure. No uh, problem, happy anniversary for, for the 30 years oh, uh, of yeah. winning the, of winning the cup and, and happy birthday for you for next week, Ron. And thanks so much for inviting us here to, uh, have a, have a good natter. We've really enjoyed it. And my quiz question is, it was the only English manager to win a major trophy with three different clubs. Hold on. I wonder, is he, is he big one acting somebody any chance? We have a right laugh. I say, go on then. <laughs> <laughs> okay.